This week on Trust the Process. How do you date in when, in quarantine? I know that we think that FaceTime and we have Zoom, we have all these apps, but again, you only see a box, a square box of someone, and you really can't get into that, that intimate level of conversation. And then the question is, how much do you want to risk going out to a restaurant to have a, to have a meal or have a coffee? Love is like a rodeo, trying to see how far we go. After one touch, became obsessed with the rush. Yeah, love is like a rodeo. I just want to steal the show. We fight and we fall, but we keep holding on. Love is like a rodeo. And welcome back. It is episode seven of Trust the Process. Sal, do you know the significance of July 11th, the day we're actually recording this? I think you told me it was our, it's been a year since we did our last show, huh? We released episode six on July 11th, 2019. Sal, it has been forever since we, I mean, we've had these type of conversations before, but we actually haven't gotten behind microphones or in your case, remotely in like a Skype format, and over a year, how's it been? Bro, it's been good. It's been good, chill. You know, the past year has been absolutely insane, right? We had, I mean, 2020 has been, 2020 alone is enough for, for a year, a lifetime worth of worth of things to happen, right? And it's only been six months. Uh, before that, we kind of just got busy. Uh, probably I got busy showing up on time, but you know, thank God for this remote, this remote work stuff. You know, I can, I can hop on here remotely right now. I'm sitting in the uh, value city furniture parking lot, recording <laughs> this little, this little, sh- little show today. Right. Just hop on here, hop right, right around the corner of my home and g- get it popping, get it popping real quick. <laughs> yeah. Um, the funny part about it is what you, everything you just said could apply in about 10 different ways. Just if people know who you are. But yeah, just a little bit of a, let's start off with a little bit of a year in review. Not just like, obviously we know what's going on with 2020 and all the things that are going on out the, on the outside world in terms of COVID-19, the Black Lives Matter movement, which we'll actually touch on later in the show. But a lot of the external stuff we'll talk about later. I want to talk about just the internal between you and I, like what has been the makeup in your just average everyday life? And I know you said you've been working from home. I have not personally, unfortunately. Uh, but for you, Sal, you've actually had the opportunity to work from home. Your life has been drastically different since we've had that last conversation uh, last July. So let's get a bit, little bit of a year in review of how things have been deeper into your life. Yeah. So last time I talked, I was with a different company. I had a girlfriend. You know, I was. It was a whole different situation, right? So I, I left. I left one company, went to a new company. Girlfriend didn't always work out. That kind of falls how it is. You know what I mean? Well, uh, see, the thing, the thing about that, the thing about that thing was, is that no one really understood, like what at the core of it, it was, because you brought her around at least once, which was actually that's that's a change for you. Like we usually don't see, that's a big change. we don't big see change. the women that you're talking to at the time. So it was pretty new to see that happen. But then after that moment, we didn't really hear or see from her again. Yeah, you know, it was a situation where we just didn't see eye to eye on what the uh, it came time it came time to uh, define the relationship, and we had different viewpoints on what that should look like, and so we had we went our separate ways uh, because of that. That's and a so, that's a very good side topic. So, what into your terms, and maybe it's different today because again, this has been a whole almost calendar year since this event has happened. What was the differential between you two in terms of talking about what you wanted to be? Because first off, I think anybody that's listening to this podcast for the reasons of why we post it, it's good that you guys did this because you stopped it before it went any further. But what was the differential for you guys? Yeah, I was looking to have an actual relationship, you know, exclusivity, dating, right? And and, and, in the hopes of getting to know someone on an intimate, that intimate level, right? And, And to share your your deep personal self with someone else and and they wanted to uh have a hookup they wanted to you know they wanted to they just gotta have a long-term three-year relationship and so they were looking to have a little fun as as, as meg the stallion said looking to have a hot girl summer <laughs> and we just weren't seeing eye to eye on that situation right and, and we talked about it we talked about it for actually for for a good bit of time right it wasn't just a one-time conversation but we had spent some time discussing it in a very mature way Right. Uh, and just kind of putting out, hey, here's how I'm feeling. 
Um, that open line of communication I really believe in, especially in relationships, um, because you're looking for a partner. Obviously, you're looking for someone that you can, that you can um, be with for the long haul. I very much, I very much believe in, in trying to date for for the long haul, and so I made that I made that clear from the get from the jump. And we just it didn't work out. We tried, and that's I think that's part of dating too. That's part of the whole, that's part of the whole dating process. And then also you have to protect yourself. So I had to protect my heart. Um, so I, you know I didn't invest too much and too much time in something that obviously we had different we had different goals and aspirations um i wish them i wish them all the best in the future i know they have they have a phenomenal career and a phenomenal life ahead of themselves but yeah for me it was just it was one of those things we had to we had to go our separate ways there was a fork in the road i went right they went they went left there's a lot of good stuff you just put there but first off the way i break it down first is i i think both sides of this conversation or both sides of this difference differential in this relationship i completely understand and i think we can all say it's acceptable like you have every right in the world to want what you wanted on that side of things and she had every right to want just a fling we're never gonna hate on anybody with their motives as long as they make their motives clear and early which you two did very well which i applaud you both because it was the mature way to go about things because one of the biggest issues we see in relationships these days is that people don't let their intentions known very early Feelings start to develop, and then feelings get hurt. You know, it's just yeah. a basic fact. We see that in every step of life, from when you're in high school to college, post-college, and even later in life if you're dating later down the line. Um, it, I, I commend you guys for doing what you wanted to do there on both sides, and you both made it known what you wanted. Uh, so back to your side of things, Sal. I, I know yeah. you've you've always been one of the more mature ones in this aspect, and I, I really appreciate that about you, but it's this— it's this dating for uh, serious intent. Where, did, might I ask, where did you meet this fine lady? Hey, now that's a good question. So we met on the old, old hinge hashtag, not an ad, but if you want to sponsor us, <laughs> let us know. Uh, so hinge, hinge is where. So, so Zach, a friend of the show, friend of the show, Zach, uh, had a mental, as you guys might know, I also refer to him as, was a big hinge person, big hinge guy. And had been had been uh first of all he's a big dating app guy. He was a big now he's now he's got now he's moved in with the girlfriend, so he's he's settled down a little bit. But before he used to be a big dating app kind of guy. And so when Hinge came out, he was all over it, big time into it, and was was pestering us, hey, try out hinge, try out hinge, try out hinge, it's it's new, it's different, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I got the hinge. Uh we actually matched, funny enough, we matched uh, three times on Bumble, twice on Tinder, and once on Hinge. Oh, uh, okay. Before, yeah. before we go yeah. any further, I think we need to address yeah. this. So, I mean, me personally, I've actually been in that scenario before, so I can't, like, there's nothing really to say because I, I, I understand as a guy, like, maybe meeting multiple times on that app isn't really your, it's not because of you type of thing if you get with how if you understand how those apps work yeah i can't but like well, I can't but like it. four or five different times like at some point why don't you just like say hey you know what maybe we should actually try this out that's what happened right that's what happened is like after i kind of hit her up once or twice on the on the tent on the tender i got ghosted pretty hard <laughs> um and then after about the fifth time we matched one of the dating platforms uh they reached out to me to make that hey let's say hey, this has been We've matched a few times. Let's let's get together, let's hang out, and we had a, we had a good time. Um, but I kept deleting the apps, right? I just kept getting. I'm not a huge fan of dating apps. I'm not a huge fan of the app. I think yeah. that on paper, anyone can you can look a certain way on paper. But I wanna. I'm very much like, hey, who are you about? What are you? Who are you? I wanna get to know you. Um, I believe I don't believe in coffee dates for that exact reason. Really? I hate coffee. I hate coffee. Because dates. that's my go-to. So I, let's, let's get into a mini debate about that. What is the oh, downside of that? Coffee dates are so arbitrary. I feel like I get coffee as, as a professional. I get coffee with, with business partners. I get coffee with, with potential clients. Coffee, um, it's, you know, it's 30 minutes to an hour max. Um, it's usually pretty superficial, pretty arbitrary. You don't really get into the, I mean, first of all, the, the, the chairs just suck. Well, there are no comfortable chairs that you can talk for 
you know, a three-hour conversation. But is that the point? Right? Of, also, is that the point of a first meeting, though? I, I, I just, I, I feel uh, like, I feel like the essence of the coffee date and everything you just described right there is everything I want in my first date. I want a yeah. short thirty minutes to an hour, just get to know the person, and don't overwhelm yourself with enough information because most of the time, I mean, we talk about in school, you only remember what like. 15% out of, I forget the number, but like a very low percentage of what you memorize and what you hear, you actually can remember. So I think those shorter little meetings, it makes it easier to actually get to meet the person. And then once you feel comfortable with that person, and especially if you're doing this off of a dating site, you're meeting a complete stranger at that point. Why wouldn't you do the short meeting there and then say, okay, I feel comfortable with this person that I can step outside my comfort zone and go do something else bigger. Yeah, so I think for me, it comes down to um, and I have, I've had this debate a few times actually, and that's usually the argument people bring up. And I always say, I hate, I hate peeling an onion back a layer, layer at a time. I prefer to use the knife. That's why I like longer, longer first conversations, uh, first dates. Um, you, you just get into more stuff, right? And I, and I think also I have a bit of OCD where I have to know the information. Like I want to know more and more and more. And so that short, that short time is just not really good for just who I am. Okay, um, that's fair. I'll do it. I'll do it. I've also had some pretty shitty coffee dates, so that could play now, a role. Now I'm curious. Give me an example of that because um, it's pretty hard to mess know, those up. You know, the, you know the worst one. You I have went to on a date me. with somebody. I went on a date with somebody, uh, and they, no, no judgment, but they bowed to the uh, cashier. I was a little confused. And Is then something behind we, that? No, I no, no. And we sat down for we sat down for conversation, and I can talk to anybody. If you know me, you know that I can talk, I can gab, I can I can get you know, I can get along with anybody. Mm-hmm. And we just had no chemistry. I mean, absolutely, no 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 vibe, no chemistry. It was like I had never thought. 30 minutes have never felt so long in my entire life when we just couldn't, couldn't come to any kind of synergy. And then afterwards the goodbye was just so awkward. I thought I went for the hug and they just turned around and just dipped. So I was like, yeah, this is not for me. This isn't it. Um, Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it could have been just a one-time case situation. You never know, but I I get it. You you don't want to feel that awkward sense. Again, so you try to avoid it, but um, I, I also I, I don't, had really good, I dinner, I also had really good dinner dates. I also are had you really do, good are you dates. doing that on first dates? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I, 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 hear, I think we're so a little I bit we're op, we're date. opposite people, but that's okay. I I just so, I don't feel I, like I I feel like they're the the purpose of the first date is to get to know the person, not the. The other, uh, the, the the ancillary things like the the date, the actual date itself, like the coffee, the dinner. I don't I don't look at it like that. I look at it because I can't even if I'm doing something, I can't focus on that activity. I'm always focused on the person across from me. So even if it's like a a coffee, I always find myself not finishing whatever I had at the uh, coffee shop because I was so focused on getting to know the other person. I think that's kind of where we are personally different, and that I am more worried about just getting all the information and you want to make it like you want to wrap it up like a present and make it a great presentation to the person, which is totally okay. And I respect the hell out of that. Yeah. For me, it's an event, right? So for me, for me, when I enter into a first date with someone, right, my first couple messages, a uh, text messages is always, what are, what kind of cuisine, what kind of cuisine do you like? Are there any hard no goes? Are you a beer or wine or liquor person? And right, and then from there, I will go out and curate based off of. Um, in Ohio, it's a little easier. I mean, Nebraska was also pretty easy because both are, both are pretty big food towns. But go out and curate a date and and pick a restaurant or a activity based on what you've prescribed to me or described to me. So let's say, for example, um, one of the most recent dates I had on the person. The person, you know, lived in the burbs, in the suburbs. They were they were into like the um, the American the American gastropub scene. That's where they kind of they liked the American food. American food and that was kind of their go-to. Sure. And they were a beer person. 
right? And so I was like, okay, perfect. I have the perfect restaurant for you, right? One on one beer kitchen had just released, um, and hashtag not an ad, but one on one beer kitchen here in Columbus had just put out their their new summer their new um, summer or fall menu, and so we went to one on one beer kitchen. It's a phenomenal little spot. They have a couple locations around town, but I knew they had a phenomenal beer selection. They had just put out a brand new gonna be killer seller. Um, their chef there is doing amazing things. So I really pick out, and I'm really, I'm really into what's going on in the food scene. And so I try to pick out things that it's for me. It's not just about the conversation, but it's about the entire, the entire ordeal. Um, like I had, I went on a date like right before Christmas or Thanksgiving. I forget which one. Um, was kind of thrown together last minute. It was kind of forced together. You know, the, the person had some free time that came up. I had some free time, so like, let's get let's get some food. And the spot really wasn't my normal kind of top tier spot, and you could tell. I mean, I, it wasn't it wasn't as good for me. The food was subpar, right? I didn't know who was there, who was cooking, or what. I wasn't a big fan. Um, and so for me, it's very much about the experience. Um, I feel like I, have to, I feel like I'm trying to put on the show. And impressed at the entire time. So that's why I hate coffee dates. Some people love coffee dates. I get it. I'm fine with it. And I've also been told, like, hey, you got to go on coffee dates too. So I, I do it reluctantly because um, I want to respect the person's boundaries and space. That's also a big thing too, right? If you can't, if someone can't do a first date as a dinner or a lunch and coffee is what works for you, tell them, like, hey, yes. I just feel more comfortable getting coffee first. That's perfectly acceptable. Right, that's perfectly okay to say, "Hey, here's my boundaries. Here's what I want to. Here's what I'm comfortable with." And that's if the person can't get by with that, then they gotta kick rocks. Yeah, I I kind of agree with everything you said there. And wow, you uh you put a lot more thought into the idea than I originally have. So uh, I'll be reassessing how take, I do things. Notes. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be reassess- reassessing how I do things going forward. <laughs> um, no, that's great. You've had a very eventful calendar year, and uh, I know, like you, like myself, this quarantine's got things a little bit interesting for uh, that aspect of our lives. As for me, in the past calendar year, it's been pretty quiet. Um, my kind of conversation here is probably going to lead into our headline topic tonight: quarantine and chill. So I'll, I'll get into that, but um. <laughs> There really hasn't been a whole lot, you know. I, I've kind of just been focusing on, you know, there's been different things going on in my life that I was worried about whether I was going to do something job-wise or maybe I was going to move out of town or something like that. So it's been kind of in the back of my mind. Like, it wasn't in the forefront in terms of the dating scene. I've tried the apps, and it's just, I'm with you. It's just not something I really enjoy very much. It's not People aren't really on there for the right reasons that I've come to find out. Uh, in terms of your way of looking at dating right now that's pretty much where i'm at so if i were to be greeted by somebody that was also in the terms of just looking for a fling or whatnot it probably wouldn't be up my alley i I just i'm about to turn 25 like i'm done with the games and whatnot but uh yeah the past calendar year has been really weird like there's there hasn't been a whole lot of movement it's been all just kind of focused on my job and whatnot and um yeah, I, there's really not a whole lot of substance to add to it. I, I definitely would say and concede to you that you were probably the most active one between us two in terms of the social dating life, which good for you. I'm happy for you. Um, yeah, it's big news. That's big news. It, it, it is I'm really. Normally, I'm normally off the. I'm normally off the scene, right? I mean, I hopped are? the dating scene late, and I still, even now, I kind of fell off the off the off the dating scene just because I've been so busy with, with work and stuff. Um, but usually you're the one that's usually more active than I am. Yeah, so it's, it, yeah, it, it definitely, <laughs> I guess so. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but especially this last calendar year, yeah, I just have kind of put it on the back the back burner. Like, I haven't really paid attention to it a whole lot. Um, but it's kind of risen in terms of my efforts recently, which is why we'll get into our next topic here. But um, quarantine and chill is a real big thing, Sal. I don't know if you've heard about it. But uh, quarantine yeah. and chill, we've heard the Netflix and chill, we've heard all of that, but honestly, putting the jokes of the topic aside, like this pandemic for, I would say, our age group in terms of social lives is at an all-time like standstill because I think there's people that don't really know how to go about things. There's people that just plain out don't give a damn. They go out, they go to all the bars, they still do everything they're doing. And then there's people that are just kind of like confused of what they're gonna do. Like, 
you still want to get out and meet people, know people, see some of your friends, but it's like you also have the thing in the back of your mind saying, hey, like, hey, dummy, like, you go out here and do something stupid tonight or catch the virus or something, and that sets you back in a lot of different aspects of your life immediately for at least minimum two weeks. Who knows? Because, again, it's such a novel coronavirus. We don't know what it's going to do for us long term, which is yeah. why it's more than just the death rate. It's also about long-term effects on your body, but some people don't seem to understand that. But besides the point, quarantine and chill is the topic today because I feel like socially this is going to be one of the hardest times in our generation's lives in terms of dating, which – Already was hard enough because we don't know how to talk to people in person. We hide behind dating apps, phones, and whatnot. We don't actually talk to people in person. It's only going to get even tougher with what's going on. So, Sal, is there a way we can get around this? Like, what what do you make oh, of this? Is this? I mean, is this really, like, a big issue for us? Because I think a lot of us who actually want to follow the rules, this puts a lot of our social lives on just a back burner, like I said earlier. Like, I haven't been to a social gathering really of any sorts since, honestly, like mid February. Yeah. I mean, and for me, it's been like, I was telling someone earlier, there are a list of questions you ask somebody before you hang out. You never had to ask before, right? You ask, yep. Have you been social distancing? Have you been quarantined? Have you been wearing a mask? When you go out with people, are the people around you, have they been? Practicing, practicing the same thing, right? I've hung out with the same few people uh, throughout the entire quarantine for the most part, right? They've all been, and I know what they've been doing. We, we kind of know each other's lives, uh, what we all do on a daily basis. We know who we're around, who, who we're hanging around, just to ensure that we're all practicing social distancing. Um, and I've, I've hosted, throughout this quarantine, I've hosted, I've co-hosted a prayer service, a social distance prayer service uh, for the George Floyd thing. I've I've been to a few different a few different like very small gatherings with some close close people that I know and close friends, but for the most part it's been a damper on my on my social life. You know I'm 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 good for I'm good for going out on the weekends, you know three days three days a week. You can find me out somewhere at some events, um, chilling, hanging out, and so for me it's been a damper. And then from a dating perspective, right, we get in that dating aspect. How do you date in when in quarantine? I know that we think that FaceTime and we have Zoom, we have all these apps, but again, you only see a box, a square box of someone, and you really can't get into that that intimate level of conversation. And then the question is, how much do you want to risk going out to a restaurant to have a, to have a meal or have a coffee? Um, so it's so hard, it's so tough to do. And I think people have had to be creative, um, had to, have had to been be really creative. Part of it is, hey, are we going to, you know, you quarantine for two weeks, I quarantine for two weeks. And that shows commitment, right? So we're going to quarantine for two weeks. So in two weeks, we can see each other at X place that's social, that's social distancing, right? And I think there's so much that goes into this. I know I got a call tonight or yesterday this morning from a buddy like, hey, the fights are tonight. You want to watch the fights? And I, and you have to think about going over to someone's house now. Like you have to, I remember last week, I know, I know last week I had to say no to a friend to go over their house because I didn't feel comfortable in the space. And I think that's a thing that this friend and I have been friend, have been really good friends for years. And um, that's someone I've known forever versus someone like I haven't seen you. I haven't seen you in, in forever. Oh, I haven't I seen haven't, anybody. Haven't so don't, been, don't take it personally because right. I haven't seen anybody. No, no, but I haven't, I haven't seen you. I'm usually good. To, I'm usually good to have seen your parents on Easter for Easter dinner, mm-hmm. and I wasn't over for Easter dinner, so I haven't. People that you normally I've known for years, I haven't. I haven't gone to see. So how do I feel about going to see a new a new person who I just met on some X X app? Um, that's how I feel about it, right? If I'm not seeing people that I've known for years, why would I want to go see you who I who I don't even know who you are? Which is a tough way to look at it. On the flip side, though, on the flip side, though, you see, you see people who have successfully dated during quarantine. Um, whether it's you know we met we met on TikTok, which we can get into that a different a different day. Right. We you met on we met on Tinder. You know we talked. We had a couple of FaceTime dates. Then we had a real date. Like a, you know with all the masks and stuff. 
Right. It gets into that 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 question that becomes a level of intimacy you want to get into, um, which is a different kind of situation that you've got to assess your own risks in that part in that part of the game. See, when when I originally thought of this topic, when I thought I came up with it, I thought we were going to talk about more of like these dating apps. You would think right now this would be the hot spot. I mean, everybody's getting on it. Everybody's lonely. You hear the term quarantine and chill. People want to have some type of social interaction, which is great. I also think that leads to a lot of dead end conversations because people don't want to actually pursue these relationships. They just want somebody to keep them company in the meantime, because again, there's not a lot human to human contact, which I totally understand. But at the same time, this is where you get crossed up with people's differentials and what their standards are for conversations and topics and just talking on these apps in general. Um, but for me personally, if I found myself less like on those, and I, I've been in the mindset of where I'm just ready to delete these damn things already, but I haven't used the dating app thing because I just don't know if I feel fully comfortable of going through the process of getting to know somebody on an online dating app or something and then trying to talk to them and then, oh, well, when do you want to meet up? Well, can you do this, this, and this, and this? No, but I can do this, this, and this. Like, there's so many different guidelines and so many, like, criteria you have to meet right now on top of it that you don't even know if the other person is committed enough to getting to know you that they'll actually do the steps that you want required to make you feel safe in this process. Because, I mean, I don't know about you, but if I kind of get a vibe from somebody on that app that isn't fully in it and just says, you know, yeah, you know, I'll meet up or whatnot. I'm like, okay, well, have you been socially distant? And they'll kind of give a yeah. BS roundabout answer. Like, I don't know if I'll go through with it because I don't feel comfortable at that point. So I feel like those type of rela relationships as a whole on these dating apps haven't really been at the forefront. It's been more of the ones that have been a little bit established, you know, like yeah. the girl or the guy that you have been low key friends with. You haven't been super close or anything. You start talking with them. Things start spicing up a little bit. And then, well, look at that. You start to build an actual connection and you two trust each other. And care enough about each other that you'll take the steps that make each other comfortable in the midst of a pandemic. Yeah, that's been, I've seen that heavy, bro. I've seen that, I've seen that heavy. Uh, I think I haven't touched my uh, my dating apps, my phone since quarantine happened, right? I haven't even haven't even gained to look at the look at the app. But I have heard a lot of people, hey, X X Y and Z person reached out to me. We haven't talked in, in four and a half years, right? You used to be friends in high school, but you reached out to them because now you're stuck in your in your hometown. Sparks fly. Yep. Next thing you know, you're, you're dating. Like I've seen that at least four or five times. I've now, here, here's a question like, to you because that's actually a really good point, and I wanted to bring that up in my yeah. little spiel. Um, when you're talking about these connections that are rejoined by years in between of gap of not talking to the person, do we feel like those relationships are on like a par? Like there isn't like some type of emotional uh, boost for that to happen. It's so they're not fully there is what I mean. Like they aren't fully in the relationship. They're just trying to get something because they need that connection. Now I know that's not always the case, but I think and feel a lot of the times because of what we're in right now, they might not be starting these discussions or talks or whatever for the full intent purpose, they just want to start talking to someone. Like they're filling a void. Oh, oh hell yeah. People, people are bored. People are bored, right? People are stuck in the house. If you're practicing, if you're practicing, if you're practicing all the rules and you live in a metropolitan, like a big metropolitan area, you've been in quarantine for the most part for the past three and a half months. So you were bored. You went out of the house, right? You've been seeing the same few people. Uh, social distance, distance, and a safe, and a safe boundary. And now you're looking, you're looking on Instagram, you're looking on Snapchat, you're looking on on Twitter. Hey, this person looks, this person looks cute. Now, what are they doing? I haven't talked to them in a few years. Let me, let me slide in the DMs and see what's up. Let me see what's going on in their life, right? And you just, your, your intention isn't to date. I think you're just bored, and you, you know, you get a little messy. And sometimes, you know, a little mess turns into something beautiful. And so sometimes these things work out. But I've heard from a lot of my girlfriends, from a lot of my girlfriends, um, girls who are friends, not girlfriends, but girls who are friends. Right. 
that that they had a lot of people slide in the DMs from the from the blast from the past. Right? A lot of people a lot of people reach out reaching out. Hey, how are you? You know, and it's because they're bored. People are bored. Sal, I went to a dog park with my ex a couple weeks ago. Like, yes, I I think that's, that's what, not good. I, I well, no, that's yes, not good. Yes and no. I I I don't no, know. No, it's it's bad. You can look on the it's outside bad. and think that there's no there's no there's nothing there. Like she's actually been talking to somebody too. So like I don't think it was really seen on any sides, like what you're probably thinking, but. I think that also gives like a sense of where people are at with this thing. Like they're so bored, they're going back. Like we've said for the past couple of minutes, people are going back to those original connections they've been making. So I, I don't know. Like if this girl from last year would have hit you up during this quarantine, like what have you? What would you have said? Like give an advice to somebody. If depends on which side that you feel that you're on, whether you would be up for it or what if you, you would shoot it down right away. Give that perspective to. Somebody out there that's wondering if they're in your camp on this topic. Yeah, so you gotta. I think. I think for me, I'll probably would have. I would have entertained the idea. Um, really, I would have entertained the idea. I'm in a different place than I was a year ago, right? My quarantine, my quarantine. I'm not gonna get into specifics. My quarantine has been absolutely popping with things outside of relationship relationship things, right? I've had, you know, my 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 grassroots organization has has taken off pretty heavily mm-hmm. i've given I've, i just i just had a talk on thursday or a couple of days ago on on race on race and um and the first african-american priest in america so i've been busy with just doing things like that that i really haven't had the time or really the time or the desire to entertain um a dating a dating life right now so if they would have hit me up i would say hey how are you how's life we have the normal pleasantries, chit chat, but I doubt we would go hang out. We would have hung out. Um, but now, if you're in that place where you are bored or you want something to do and you want to hang out with a friend, and your ex hits you up, and it wasn't a okay, and your ex wasn't you know you didn't break up for for a reason, right? I think remember why you broke up or why you split up. I think that's important because mm-hmm. if you know you think if you think oh Johnny's changed. Johnny's Johnny is different than he was a year ago. Johnny probably hasn't changed. Uh, I'm not saying Johnny can't change, but I'm just saying the odds are not in your favor. So be be cognizant of that, and don't be listening to. Um, we can get in trouble by listening to our our heart sometimes not not really logic. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, they were so good. They were so they were so nice. They looked amazing. They were cute. But also remember the the bad parts about them too. So, um, I think it's it goes by situation by situation. It depends on who you are. For you, if your ex hits you up trying to date again, I would remind you of all of the red flags that we that were there before, and and uh, usher you, and hopefully hopefully guide you to see that hey, this might not be. Put a break on that. Put a pause on that. Right. Not saying that your ex isn't a bad person, or is a bad person because she's a great person, but there are some red flags, and those have to be remembered in the process. You're right. You're right. But but I also would add to that. I mean, if that would really apply if you hadn't, or I guess you're pointing it at me. If I had intentions going into that, but I didn't. I didn't. No, I know. I'm she saying. I'm saying like, I, I get it for the average fair. person. Yes. That's fair. I'm saying like you going you going to hang out is not is not a problem. Uh-huh. I'm saying if that hanging out had become, hey, we're hanging out. Yeah, again yeah, yeah, today. yeah. No, like I I honestly I haven't even had contact since that meetup. So that's been two weeks, two two and a half weeks. Yeah. So it's it was just a one off thing. You got to catch up and whatnot. Nothing more than that. And I I think that's okay. That's a health. That can be a healthy thing if you do it correctly. I'm not just telling anybody to just go out there and respark something with your ex during quarantine and chill like that's the complete opposite of what we're going to advise for you because more often than not like sal just said there's a reason why you got out of that there's a reason why the red flags were there so just keep an eye on that um Sal, i think the way we can top off this topic is just looking forward you know we we talk so much about like how is this pandemic going to change things going forward in our lives more importantly like work reasons are we going to see more working from home 
Um, are we going to see more restrictions in bars and restaurants in the future just for reasons of sanitation and whatnot? Like, there's yeah. so many different things in our life that could change because of this pandemic. Is there a way in your mind that this pandemic changes the way the dating and social scene happens for our generation? Maybe just our generation, but you could even just apply it to the entire human race. Like, is there going to be a change or is it just going to be back to normal? Like, people think that way. It's too early to tell. Like everything um, else with this. The one, yeah. The, yeah. The one thing about this quarantine that's been, that's kind of shown us a little bit and why it's hard with, it's hard with dating. It's easier with work from home, easier with a lot of other things. But with, with date, with this quarantine, we've become a global, a truly global society. And so you could start to see more long distance relationships pop up. Like, hey, I met someone, I live in, I live in Pennsylvania, I met someone in Texas. Right, you could start to see some of those pop up, and we, we can FaceTime. You know, if well, we I, have the means. Didn't I see this correctly that like Tinder was like allowing like the, I don't know what they call it, like the map, or like you can place yourself in a different location and swipe in that area, like for free. Like they weren't yeah. charging you anything. Like they're encouraging you going outside of, I mean, quote unquote, your bubble or where you live, and go and meet people that way. Like they're encouraging more of that. Is Correct. That's only that's only just one example, but is that kind of where you're getting at? Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. That's what I'm getting from is that, and you see people like, and then you also see people like on on Instagram, sliding into DMs, and also, gentlemen, for all the guys in the chat, for all the guys listening into this conversation, if you sign into someone's DMs, do it respectfully, please. Oh man, we can. I, I, I think we've had a, I think we've had a discussion on but, this before. We have, but it just needs to be said again. For anyone sliding into the DMs, come correct, okay? Have some respect for who you're talking to. Don't hide behind a freaking computer screen, right? Make the same approach you would make at a bar in the DMs. That's all I'm saying. As I'm leaving, I'm leave it there. No, yeah, yeah, no, because we uh, in the pre. I don't remember which episode directly, but in the previous six episodes, we have touched on how to slide in the DMs correctly. So if you want to listen to that, go back and check those out. I can't remember which one it's in, but we can. Uh, I can probably tag it in the description of this podcast after the show. But Sal, I want to finish off this episode, our first one back, with a little bit of a talk about a discussion about what's going on in the world right now, and I know it's affecting a lot of us a lot of us in a lot of different ways. And I know just for you specifically talking about this black lives matter movement and everything going on in the world in terms of yeah. just the society, what, what are, I'll just kind of give you the floor. Like, what do you want to talk about or what do you want to say about this? Hmm, that's a good question. I've had this conversation a ton. I've had this conversation a ton. And we all should be, we all should be having this conversation. Right. We should be, we should be, we should be. Anyone who knows my story knows I have a checkered history um, when it comes to this conversation, this talk, right? I have, and I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to get into it today. But um, just know I have a checkered history as a as an African-American male. And with the upbringing I had, I grew up, I grew up in, a, in a private school my entire life, private Catholic school. Um, and... It was it was interesting. It was interesting to say the least. So when I hear this conversation today, and I'm I, I have a different perspective than I think if you met me seven years ago, I would have a whole different perspective. Today I think that we need to have dialogue. We need to listen. After you after you, you explain to, after you explain this, I want you to say why you would have a different perspective previously. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, do yeah. want to hear that. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think we have to have intent in our listening. We have to have the conversations. We have to also then see movement and action behind these conversations too. Black Lives Matter is calling for conversations, one, on police brutality, which is obviously the most overt and the biggest one to have the conversations about. For me, I'm constantly listening, educating myself on things that, hey, I, I, you know, I have friends that grew up in the worst part of the town that I grew up. So I hear their stories of how they had to deal with over-policing 
and and police using using and over police using extra force and doing things that were just unspeakable in their communities, right? And I have to listen and say, and and I hurt, I'm hurting, right? I remember, I remember we were we were profiled. I remember the first time I was ever profiled for being black. I was maybe seven or eight, um, and it was the it was the airport police here in the local town, mm-hmm. um, and we were stopped for like maybe three hours on a routine traffic stop. We were stuck for like maybe three hours. Um, and it was, I had, I had, at this point in my life, I still had severe, I still had severe asthma. Um, it was my, myself, my brother, and my mother in the car. And the cop just kept us there for, th- for roughly three hours. They brought over, they brought over the canine unit. Um, and the canine unit kept, was like maybe a hundred yards away from us. And an abandoned parking lot kept flashing his lights on us. Like every so, every few minutes. Uh, it was a very scary situation, very scary situation. And when it was all said and done, all said and done, the ticket said infraction stopped at the stop sign. Like, like what the, so the, even the, the entire ticket point was mute, was mute. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I realized that I was black. But again, I didn't, I didn't really understand until I got older and went to college, right? College obviously had a lot more experiences and really dealt with. And then I look back on my, I look back on my time in high school and grade school. And you know the classic, the classic being told, "Oh, you speak well for a black person," or oh, you're not like that. You're not like the other black people. You're 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 different, right? You become the token Negro, in some degrees, right? You and I can go over a litany of lists of things that just I had heard from people, from from my friends' parents, right, or from people that people I knew from high school, um, people that I just met in the city. Because again, I talk to everybody, and so talking to everybody, you hear these things as well too. Um, so when it comes to Black Lives Matter, remember this: this is just the beginning conversation. This is this this is just the start of of a conversation. We're talking about police brutality now, but we've got a long way. We've got housing. We've got education, yep. right? We've got social inequality. We've got food deserts, which no one's talking about food deserts, right? We're talking about health crisis, but health crisis also means access to quality food. And when you have a save a lot down the street. <clears throat> There's no Kroger like there was in Parsons Avenue, like we gotta discuss that too. So right now, police police brutality is the overarching theme of the conversation. But don't be, don't be mistaken that oh, if we fix policing, we're 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 fixed. Like no, we've got a long way to go. And I encourage all of my all of my all of those who want to be allies to listen, to have conversations with people, right? And also, you know, I have I have friends on the opposite side of the spectrum who are you know, they disagree with a lot of what's happening right now. And I talk to them and I listen to them. I give them a, a voice privately, of course, to talk to me about what they're hearing, what they're saying and, and what the, how they feel. And I offer my, my viewpoint too. Don't, don't be so confined to try to only hang around, hang around those who you're around. And if someone's willing to have discourse and dialogue with you in a civil manner and you're up for it, right. And you have the, you have the capacity to take that on, then do so. Because we can only grow by conversation and by stretching. I know for you, you know, if it wasn't for, we had a few tough conversations about race about two years ago, um, you know, in a short amount of time. And I really saw a shift in just the way you think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was talking to someone recently, I was like, man, you scare me sometimes. I'm like, oh, he's going to get Secret Service going to come down on him. Colin, you can't say that. Like, NSA, we're not saying that type of stuff. But just because, and that's only because we had, we had these real conversations in which I expressed, hey, here's what I dealt with, right? And we've known each other since we were five. Here's what I dealt with. Here's what I saw in the same areas that we grew up together, right? The same places that we grew up, I had heard these things. And so um, there's so much there. Talk about race. I know discussing racism is uncomfortable. Um, I wrote an entire paper on racism, and I will tell you this. Discussing racism is uncomfortable because it's because it will cause change. It will cause you to think about things that you don't want to talk think about. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's easy for us to think about, you know, whether it's sports, whether it's work, whatever is our normal life, for us to remain in our bubble. I'm I'm pleading with you to stretch yourself to think about topics that will will make you grow. Right? I've got friends. I've got friends who I talk to about topics. I've got friends who are really big in the reproductive rights era, reproductive rights, 
Um, and we talk about things and they stretch me daily. And that's okay because I want to grow and learn on that topic in these areas. So if you, if you, you know, if you're someone that's kind of new to this, new to this fight, or if you're someone who, who has had the privilege of never discussing race or has never really, um, been affected by this, you know, for one, you're fooling yourself. Mm-hmm. You've been around it. You probably just didn't look at it. But two, you know, if you have a close friend that you can talk to about this, talk to them. If I'm that person, call me, reach out to me. I will talk to you about race and I will be listening ear, listening ear for you um, and also give you my perspective too. I think there are so many perspectives. I'm constantly learning and plugging into friends of mine um, who obviously have more education and, and on this topic, specific topic, especially when it comes to police brutality. I can talk to you more about um, lack of funding in education, lack of funding in housing, housing inequality. We talk about um, food deserts, right? Police brutality is not really an area that I'm an expert in, but I can definitely see the, the issues, Sure. right? I can definitely see, we, we all see the massive issues that happen in the police force. And I was talking with someone just yesterday, just yesterday, how in Omaha, um, in Omaha during the protest, there was a owner of a brick and mortar bar of, of, a, of a bar who had um, shot and killed uh, an individual during the protest. And um, then all that night on Facebook, he was, he was bragging about, um, you know, holding whatever, holding a post, pulling some kind of double, I don't know, some kind of shift with with his guns, whatever. And um, he killed this person. And then, the attorney, the attorney and the, the prosecutor in, in the Omaha area decided not to prosecute because a few, a few police officers felt the shoot was justified. And all I'm saying is, how do they get to play judge and executioner when we have an entire system that's supposed to find out if the shoot was justified or not? I just play the trial. Put it to trial and let, let's see what happens. But let's put it to trial. Let's put on trial, and let's see what happens in that trial. And so, I had a conversation yesterday with with a, with a with a close friend of mine. Um, is that we see so many instances of over of overreaching police force, mm-hmm. of police force that hasn't that hasn't had that needs more training, needs more education. Right? We look at we look at to become to become a police officer. It takes uh, I think it's like eight months of training in some places. Six to eight months of training. To become a welder, it takes almost two years. To become to be an HVAC, it takes two years, right? And so many other cases, so many other trades and cases, it takes a minimum of two years to even get your foot in the door to start doing these things. And yet we we microwave train our police force, and we wonder why there is an overt there is an overt action amongst them. We wonder why there is an ego there is an ego within some of our police force. Some of our police are phenomenal, and to be honest, with you, the majority of our police are doing are doing a decent job. But there are a few that 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 make the entire bunch go sour, and also just the overall theme of the police needs to be needs to be fixed and addressed. Um, needs to be addressed. And I think I don't know I don't have the solution, um, but that just needs to be a conversation that needs to be had. So I would tell people to listen, listen to those who are who are talking. Educate yourself. Make sure you're reading text, reading books. Uh, there have been so many articles and lists of articles put together by people about race and about race and, and racism and social inequalities. So listen to those. Read those. Read those resources. Call your friends and have hey, hey. I don't. And the, the best way to have a conversation is hey, I don't have a clue about what I'm doing, but I want to listen to you. I want to be here for you. If you have if you have the capacity to talk, love to have a conversation. That's all it takes. Is a, a short little message like that saying, "Hey, I don't know, but I want to learn." And that's that's so much when you humble yourself enough to to put to make yourself uh, not make yourself small, but to make yourself you know open to open to learning and open to ideas. That goes so far for people. Um, and I don't want to talk too much about that. I've already talked a lot about this topic, mm-hmm. but I mean, I think 
we can go we can get into it more and more more and more details about it but i'm gonna stick there yeah i don't really know if there's anything else more i should say i mean you went just 12 minutes there on your own you did a very good job of what you're saying i'll just keep my end simple as this is i i can reiterate everything you just said there you put in long terms everything i was going to touch on uh what I, I will say just me personally like you've said it like there's been obvious uh progression on my end over the last at least minimum five years um I'm a, I'm aware I'll never fully understand. I know from where I come from, it, it, I don't have the the history on my side to understand like what it is to be like as a black man or a black female in this society. And I I totally understand that, but I know that I can do all that I can do on my side to help in the fight of the Black Lives Matter movement to help with everything that you just laid out in the past 15 minutes or so. Um, just from me personally, I, I feel like especially once I got to high school, I kind of broke the bubble of understanding and I finally fully understood like, wow, there's a, there's a lot more out in this world that I just did not know about back in my grade school years of living in like small suburb of Columbus. Like I'd never, I'd never seen a Coda bus until I went to high school. Never. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like that tells you what kind of bubble. And I understand as a white man myself, I had to check the privilege at the door in order to understand and sympathize with these things. Because if you don't, you can never fully understand the impact that all of these societal things have on such a great section of our population in this country and all across the world, for a matter of fact. So I understand at that front that I need to understand that from the get-go in order to fully be able to comprehend what it is like and then I can do my part. So, Sal, I, I really appreciate what you said on that. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Now, I'll hit on I'll hit on the the topic topic of what I thought of why I had different opinions seven years ago. Uh, I also want to throw in there. I, I tried to mention, um, um, jail jail reform. We need we need to have some better. So we need to have some reform, of course, on our incarceration incarceration. And not just not just our jails, but also our probation, right? They go hand in hand. We we often forget that we think of, we think of just jails, but probation is where we get a lot of people out too, right? We have I think it's six million people within the criminal justice system. Two million of them are actually in jail. Four million of them are on probation. That's a big problem. We have to have a conversation about because a majority because there's a lot of these crimes are for are for nonviolent offenders. Um, especially with the marijuana stuff, right? We can get the marijuana talk all you want to. Um, and then also remember, we need to have some conversation about about this quote unquote legal slavery, right? Let's let's be honest. Let's be honest about it. The Thirteenth Amendment did not did not end slavery. It ended ninety ninety seven percent of slavery, and left a massive loophole for slavery still. When it comes when it comes to um, when it comes to the criminal justice system, right, and using and using using um, jail labor to produce your products. Um, that's a conversation that we have to be having too. That we're not having this conversation. So these are just things that we have to talk about. Uh, we talk about. I mean, we talk about everything else. Put this on a list of things, right? And that's why I say police brutality is just the first. Is this the the first baby step, and mm -hmm. a very long list of things that we have to correct, um, in the system. Let's be honest with you. I'm gonna be honest. This might be it's very controversial. The system isn't broken. The system is working as 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 it intended as it's intended, and that's the problem. Yeah. Is that the system is working as it's intended to work? It's just a flawed system, and so we need to have some conversation about how to fix the system, um, because there are some inherent inherent flaws that uh, make it harder for some people than us for others. The the level of equality is not the same, although we might we might think it is. So. Um, seven years ago, seven years ago, who was I? Oh, who was I as a person? I was, um, I was an individual who grew up in an all white area, all white neighborhood, um, private school my entire life. Not that, not that that really matters, but, um, I was often, oftentimes when I was, at least from the time I was five until I was 14, the only the only black male in the room um in all of my classes actually i was the only black girl in my room in the room 
in all of my classes. So I had to always, and I, and I never wanted to be, oh, the black guy talking about black on the black topics, right? Why is he always mentioning race or whatever? I was so afraid to talk about race. Also, because I grew up with these people, these folks I had known since I was five. And since racism was a learned behavior, right? I just grew up as, I just grew up as Sal. It wasn't Sal, the black kid. No, that kid was behind closed doors. I'm, I'm not, I don't know what happened with people behind closed doors. How parents talked about talked about me behind closed doors, and I don't want to speculate. Mm-hmm. But for me, for me, I was just Sal, for the most part. There were some, you know, some little things that happened, but I was just Sal. And then in high school, I went to a high school that was probably seventy percent white, thirty percent thirty percent minority. But the problem was in my high school, and well, this is fascinating to me when I look back, it was very cliquish. So if you went to private school, you hung out with private school kids. Public school kids out with public school kids, and we've barely really crossed lines, right? There are a few, a few folks who could cross back and forth between both between both groups, but there was a clear divide within the high school, um, which is fascinating to me to think about. And so I grew up with a very with a very uh, the term whitewashed lens, as well as well like to use a very whitewashed lens, right? And so because of that, because of that. And because I really hated the fact that I was black, to be honest with you, I hated the fact that I was black. I didn't want to be black. I I didn't, cause I, I didn't, I recognized that I was different, but I didn't want to be different. I wanted to be the same. So I hated the fact that I was black. And then I hated the fact that, you know, I just hated myself. And then that, that led to hatred or disdain for all black people, really. And so um, that's who I was. And so that's how, that's how I would have thought. That's how I would have thought seven years ago, right? I would have thought that I would have came up, I would have been on the Candace Owen sides or whatever. But I just, I just didn't understand my own, my own black identity, and who I was as a black person. I really was running from, running from that, running from myself. Um, and so it wasn't until I really got to college. Um, college was probably the biggest, the biggest eye opening for me. And it was that, it was not, it's not that I went to a, a historically black college. I went to actually. A very a very white college in in the middle of, in the middle of Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, you know, it wasn't like I had a ton of diversity around me. But what happened was, the people I was around were different. They weren't the same folks I had known since I was five. They weren't the folks that have known me, had known who I was in and out, had known my family for years. I was alone. I was I was alone in a whole new world. And I was made aware of my of my blackness very quickly, right? From being called, from being called the N word on my floor, within the first few the first few weeks of being on campus, right? To to dealing with racism continually, that entire year, my freshman year of college, um, from on my on my dormitory floor, right? And just being just being a part of that. So I think that then led me to. I also was in college during Ferguson. It was my first year of college, and people, I, people began to ask me, "Oh, what do you think? What's your opinion as a black person?" And I was like, "What? As my as a black person, as a person, I have an opinion, right? But why do I have to be as a black person?" And so that became that became how the conversation was. I became it be, it began to be a qualifier. Oh, as a black person, what do you think about this black topic? Um, and so as I began to then educate, I went into a, a deep education mode. Um, a deep learning and educating educating myself on the history of of of, of the black of the black culture, right? And learning about trying to learn as much as I could, and then I began to formulate my own opinions and come into an understanding of what I believe and how I want to operate. And so I think for me it was definitely a, a massive period of growth, a massive period of change. But yeah, seven years ago I would have had a way different perspective, as I would on a ton of different topics. Mm-hmm. And let me be clear. I think college is supposed to change you and make you grow and to stretch you and to formulate your opinions. It's, it's very formative. Um, if, it's done, if it's done correctly, college is a very formative time. It wasn't, it wasn't the president tweeted out some, some BS yesterday about um, colleges being a leftist propaganda. That's BS. No one forced me to think differently, right? It was me wanting to learn and wanting to ask questions, right? Co- college, when done properly, forces us to ask the tough questions that we've been avoiding. So I asked the tough questions for myself and came up to different answers. 
found what we call truth, what I would call truth. So that's that's a short answer. Yeah, on a very long topic. Yeah, that's uh, that's really good stuff, Sal. I, I think I'll just leave it at let that and let it breathe because I think a lot of people need to hear that hear that perspective because a lot of people don't actually hear that on a daily basis. So it's good to get that out there. Um, but this was yeah. a, this was a really productive first show back. I know I really appreciate on the year anniversary since our last show we got something out there. We got a lot of topics in there. A year in review, how to properly properly quarantine and chill, and then how to digest and act in this movement of the Black Lives Matter and our society needs right now. Uh, Sal, I really appreciate getting this back on. Maybe we can make this a weekly thing again, or maybe we can just... Uh, yeah, yeah. We can actually be on top of it going forward. Yeah. You know, now we, now we can do it, you know, now we can do it uh, virtually. Well, you I, you can. I still, I, still, I still have to be here, but yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Yeah, but you're there anyway. <laughs> You're there anyway. You're right. Good point. All right. Well, I appreciate that. I know we're going to just brainstorm for a lot of different topics because, again, there's not a lot going on, but there's a lot of topics that need to be brought up because there's not a lot going on because we need things to talk about and things to contemplate and things to learn on when we have all this free time. But thanks again, everybody, for listening. If Again, you can find this on Apple Podcasts. I'm going to try to get this onto also Stitcher and uh, Spotify playlists here in the next couple of days, maybe even a week or so. So that there's more different platforms. But if again, if you are using the Apple Podcast app to listen to us, please rate and review. Uh, we really appreciate it getting our word out because again, we try to post these topics for everybody's well-being, for everybody to gain a little bit of knowledge, and for everybody to have a little bit of entertainment while they're looking for things to do. But for Sal, this is Colin. Thanks again for listening to Trust the Process.